Today's episode of The Audible is brought to you by Trader Joe's, where the crew is on your team. Grab your shopping cart, make a quick snap, and move out of the pocket. Run an option to the demo station. Make an end around to the snacks, then find an eligible receiver to take you to the end zone. Learn more at TraderJoe's.com and at Trader Joe's on Instagram. Welcome to the latest edition of The Audible. I'm Bruce Feldman, joined by Stuart Mandel. As we tape this Night Owl session, Stu, it's, the national title game is wrapped up probably, what, like four hours ago? Something like that. This is our second straight year East Coast time, and oh, it's tough. Yeah, this sucks. East Coast uh, is rough for you, but uh, I think we beat it barely. In Tampa last year, that game was so long. That by the time we got done writing, got back to the stadium... Got set up to the podcast. I want to say it was four thirty, but as I look at my clock right now, four twenty-three. Good progress uh, by us. Yeah, we're and, and that's despite an overtime game. We're definitely a little sharper. Uh, although that first half moved pretty fast, I remember looking up at the game clock and I was like, "Wow, there's like three minutes left in the first half," and you know there are some Big Twelve games that feel like they get, that's like a first quarter. It moved fast because Alabama could not move the ball, and so. As you look at all these Alabama national championship teams, this is the fifth one under Nick Saban. I think we can both agree there were, it, they never won one quite like this, where, the, where Nick Saban replaced his two-year starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Guys Former let him SEC to, Player of the Year. That's right. As a freshman, he's the Offensive Player of the Year. I did. He's won a lot of games. He took them to back-to-back national title games. And I don't know that he's ever going to start another game for Alabama. It's the craziest thing. The guy got replaced at halftime of the national championship game. And there's no question that, you know, Tua came in and turned them into a completely different offense. You know, I think back, and I maybe we should, I was, was wanted to hold off on this, but since you went there, wasn't there a part where going into training camp that, first of all, uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, when he came out of high school, he had a lot more hype than Jalen Hurts did. Sure. You know, he has a really big arm. Now, he's not very tall. He's about six feet, maybe six one tops, but, you know, really strong arm. Everybody, you know, all the, the uh, coaches who work with him through all that Elite 11 process and, you know, talked about how composed he was and his temperament, and everybody saw big things from him. And then he was pretty sharp. I know at one point coming out of the spring, who's an early enrollee, there was a lot of buzz. And Nick Saban went out of his way to tamp down anybody talking about, oh, that he's going to overtake Jalen Hurts. Do you remember that? Yeah, well, I remember watching their spring, tuning into their spring game. Their spring game is always televised. And, you know, the big storyline, they'd lost to Clemson the year before, and the big storyline was they got to have a better downfield passing game. And Tua went out in the spring game, and I just remember, like, oh, my gosh, this guy has a cannon. He threw some long touchdown passes. I think Hurts did, too. But yeah, everybody understand we got excited about him, and Saban immediately said there is no quarterback controversy. Jalen Hurts is my guy, and I felt like it never really. I mean, he you always knew he was there. He played, but it never felt like there was some movement to bench Jalen Hurts. But this was the second straight year where he struggled in the playoff games, and I don't think it's a coincidence it's when they faced their best competition of the season and against teams that. I mean, really, what I think. I don't put it all on Jalen Hurts. They couldn't run the ball with their running backs. No, they could not. And and it puts it all on him, and I don't think he's 
uh, an elite enough passer to take advantage of that. So, um, they, yeah, to Jalen Hurts' credit, I talked to him after the game, and you know he did an ESPN, a couple of ESPN interviews after the game, and he said all the right things yes, about being extremely supportive of his, as he put it, his little brother, uh, Tua. And I thought that was very commendable. Obviously, they won a national title. It wasn't like, you know, things get south when if, if somebody sacrifices their ego and then all of a sudden it's not successful. But they seem to have a really good relationship. Everybody has always talked, spoke highly of Jalen Hurts' character, and I thought that was, you know, kind of evident, evident in this game tonight. But it wasn't just Tua. It was Devontae Smith who caught the game-winning touchdown. Jerry Judy was making big plays. Uh, you know, they had a left tackle who, or offensive tackle who was a true freshman. There was a lot of young guys who were not just making contributions, but big, big forces. It was, cra- it, was the, it was crazy. In the second half of that game and in overtime, suddenly it was, it was like they decided to make it true freshman day. Najee Harris didn't even play in the first three quarters. Comes in in the fourth quarter and pops a 35-yard run. I think ended up being their leading rusher yeah. of the running backs, at least. And he talked to – I talked to – Brian Dayball, their offense coordinator afterward, and he's pretty uh, nonchalant about it all. They just kind of look at it as like, well, what's the big deal? These guys have practiced all year. They're ready. Well, they've also played 14 games now. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they've been through a full season and then some. This 4.30 in the morning podcast is a great opportunity for us to talk about sleep and to reintroduce our sponsor, Lisa. Stu, it's one of the most comfortable mattresses you could get. Much more comfortable than we have at this media hotel, by the way. Yeah, I mean, not to throw this media hotel under the bus, but uh, it hasn't been the, the most comfortable experience for anyone. But I'll tell you what it is comfortable is Lisa's Mattresses. They're an innovative, direct-to-consumer online mattress brand that is also socially conscious. They're driven by the mission to provide a better place to sleep for everybody, and Lisa donates one mattress to a shelter for every 10 they sell through their 110 program. This is the deal. It's the best deal I think we've ever had of a sponsor on a podcast. Go to Lisa, L-E-E-S-A, Lisa.com, use promo code Audible, and get $100 off of a mattress. $100. That's a lot of money, Stu. It's a great deal. And by the way, you can try the mattress in your home for 100 nights risk-free with free shipping Always, you can also try it before you buy at over 80 West Elm stores nationwide. So again, go to lisa.com slash audible, $100 off a new mattress. Lisa.com, promo code audible. The game-winning touchdown catch, though. So first of all, let's back up here a little bit. How late into the game did you still think Georgia was going to win? Um... When they went into overtime, even though it was a missed field goal that got it there, I did not think, I almost felt like Georgia's, not that they stopped playing, but I just felt like they kind of, the game was getting away from them. This actually felt like the flip side of our game last week. It didn't have the fireworks in the first half, you know, like that, that Oklahoma did, but, you know, 13 to nothing there was like a whatever it was, 30, 31 to 17 game because, you, like you said, Alabama wasn't getting anything done on offense. But once Tua kind of got rolling and it went from it was a twenty to you know twenty to ten, it just felt like it was a matter of time before like I I didn't think Georgia was in a very good place and for some you know like their Alabama's defense kind of 
started to suffocate Georgia. You know, Georgia threw, I think, 23 passes in the first half. I thought Jim Chaney got into a decent rhythm. I know people were like, wait, they've run seven plays and without any actually being a running play. But eventually they got moving, and I thought Jake Fromm played well. But then as the game kind of got, as Alabama woke up on offense, they kind of their defense, I thought, responded to that too. And that's probably a big reason why Saban made the change. I didn't feel like it was really turning their way until they had the ball and were setting up for what probably should have been the game-winning field goal. I mean, it felt like a very lopsided game most of the way. Georgia definitely dominated the first half. Alabama started to make progress in the second half. But, I mean, we're talking, you know, Alabama takes over here, let's see, with seven minutes left in the game, down a touchdown, and it felt like more than that. <laughs> to me, it still felt – I'm like, can they really – this is really hard to believe. They actually have the ball with a chance to go down and tie it, which they did. And then, you know, at that point, we're down on the field, and they're setting up for what's going to be a chip shot field goal. Okay, Alabama's going to win the national championship. They miss – and I thought, well, now Georgia's going to win. And uh, yeah, if it wasn't for Blankenship hitting a, another hits, missile from yeah. like 51 yards or whatever it was. Well, let's think about this. He hits that missile. Then Alabama takes over, and you're like, well, they just got to score a touchdown to win. And on the first play... Tua does a very freshman thing. Tua does a very freshman thing and takes a sack for a 16-yard loss. Yeah. And at that point, Dayball would say later, you know, he just wanted to get half of that back on the next play. But the play that they ran set up perfectly for our new our new freshman hero, Devontae Smith, who also had the the guy only had um, seven catches coming but he had the, the game. He had the one against Mississippi State. But one of them was State. the game winner against Mississippi State, yeah. and now he had this one, just a rocket throw from Tua, a forty one yard walk off touchdown. It's crazy. I mean, that's I think you'd have to say that's the you know, you think of the Vince Young touchdown, you think just last season, Deshaun Watson. But in none of those plays were they a walk-off or the game ended on that play. It's just really like I can't express enough when you're in person the suddenness of a team that is still still trying to win the national championship. In one play, like that's it. They won the national championship. Game's over. They're national champions. So it's you. The suddenness of it. This was the Joe Carter home run. That's a great example. I thought I was stumping you. Great, no, that's a great example. That's from when I still watch baseball. Yeah, I know. It's just one minute they're down. I mean, they, like literally one second they're losing and they're facing second and twenty six. And of course, in this stadium, by the way, it was probably seventy percent Georgia fans who are sensing blood. They're going to win the national championship finally. Um, instead, I mean, these poor people here in Georgia. First the Falcons and now this. And what was the common theme of those two losses, by the way? Uh, they both wore red. Dayball. <laughs> Dayball was part of both of them. Oh, that's not nice. Yeah. That was actually my first time talking to him, you know, because... You he, brought that up? I didn't bring that up, no. Uh, Dennis Dodd brought that up. So, as we sit here today, as we sit here right now, so what, I guess what I'm saying is that you can't ask for a more sudden, dramatic ending to a game than that. But if you were to say, which was the, the more exciting game... As a whole, this game or Alabama Clemson last year, it's no contest. It was Clemson Alabama last year. It was? You think this year's game is more exciting than that one? No, I, you know, I, I I don't. I thought this was a per, I thought this was an exciting game once the once the second half got rolling. Yeah, first you half know. was pretty ugly. Yeah, the first half was a lot of punting. Well, I'll say this: 
you know, there was a lot of grumbling going up into this game. It ended up being a fantastic ending. Hopefully people did watch it. But there was a lot of grumbling. Oh, I don't want to watch it. It's two SEC teams. And walking around on the field before the game, you know, I think I forget if you said it to me. I said it to somebody else. Like, this doesn't really feel like a national championship game, does it? It felt like something in between an SEC championship game and a national championship game. It's like, it's Georgia-Alabama. It's two SEC teams. They could be playing in October. But then the crowd uh, filled in. The president made his appearance to make it feel like a national title game. It didn't truly feel like a national title game, like the electricity that you get with a national title game until Tua came in. And it's just all of a sudden the game got a lot more interesting. What do you th- if you're a, if you're a Georgia fan, do you take this as we're going to be back here many times? This is the start of something big, or are you just like, man, we were so close? And I mean, I assume for the in the short term, the heartbreak is going to be pretty hard to get over. Nicole Auerbach from the All American was in the Georgia locker room and said, you, know, you could just every couple of minutes you hear a door slam, and you hear another door slam. Guys were devastated, but if you can take a step back. Which is hard to do on this night. Very hard to do. I mean, if they can do it eventually. You know, when Mark Richt was still at Georgia, there were a few games where they thought this was going to be their big breakout game, and Alabama just flattened them. The 2008 blackout game, they didn't flatten them in that SEC championship game, but obviously right. that, that, one, that one hurt. And then in what ended up being Rick's final season, they came to Athens mm-hmm. and destroyed them. So at the end of the day, they played them toe-to-toe in the national championship game. They showed that they're on Alabama's level. But I will say that next year, I expect Alabama to be right back in the mix. I think Georgia is heading in the right direction under Kirby Smart. But this might be a hiccup year. This is a hiccup. They, this, was, this was the class. This was the senior class. It was Sony, Michelle, and Nick Chubb, and, and Lorenzo Carter. And, and they Bellamy. might lose Roquan Smith. I assume they'll lose Roquan Smith. So I don't think... I mean, this game, you could say, was won in, part, in large part because Alabama's depth. Georgia has a lot of talent. They don't quite have that yeah. Alabama-level depth. But, you know, I think he'll have them contending in the future. Now, if you're asking about the future, though, let me ask you this. What does Jalen Hurts do now? I think Jalen Hurts competes in battles now. If he gets beaten out, he does have a redshirt year. I don't know what he would do, though. Would he... By the way, this is going to be this year's off-season equivalent of the Ohio I State... Just quarterback derby that never ended um you know i find it hard to imagine Tua won't be the guy going forward okay. it just was just a different he came in and he delivered and he won the national championship but I, I guess the question would be can he graduate in three years i have no idea if he can Jalen hurts yeah i don't know i mean i know he's an early enrollee but if he can a- then i think his best option is to play for alabama next year and then get your degree in grad transfer and grad transfer, where would you send them? I don't know. Whoever's going to need a quarterback in 2019. Probably Michigan. Oh. oh, wait. He could go to the FAU and reunite FAU. with Kiffin. You know what? Kiffin just loves Jalen Hurts. As an aside, you know who the FAU really loves? They love the kid who transferred from uh, from Oklahoma, who was, was on their scout team as a quarterback. He was a former four-star quarterback. I want to say it's Chris Robinson, but it's late at night. I'm... Uh, Oklahoma fans know exactly what I mean. Yeah, I, I kind of know who you mean. I, he I remember tore that it up on the scout team. I went to the coaches' convention yesterday in Charlotte, and I may have had a couple of drinks with some FAU coaches, and his name came up a lot. I think the reason that you're, like, I'm for whatever reason, I'm still 
wide awake at 4.30. You're struggling. I'm struggling. But let's explain why. So... So, so, so Saturday morning was media day. Right. We all go to media day. We write our stories. Then Sunday is a quiet day here at the championship game. They do the coaches' press conferences in the morning. But then, you know, I had a lot to write. But if you don't have anything pressing, there's really nothing until the game. And my laptop night. broke. So my laptop broke, and that kind of put me on the DL. So I'm like, well, since I'm not going to be writing as much, why don't I get in the car? Go on, I go rent a car, and I'll go to the coaches' convention, which is three and a half hours away. And so I went there, and I inadvertently had a bunch of beer. And hey, did you so say I, you inadvertently had a bunch of beers? Yes, I intended to have a few beers, and I inadvertently had a few more than a few. Now let me ask you something: You kidnapped one of my writers and made him drive to Charlotte with you, and that's Max Olson. Did you take good care of him at least? I did take good care of him. He look, he was, he was, he got to eat his, he got to eat apparently a good meal at dinner, like on his own, and he was asleep like at a pretty good hour because I stayed someplace else and I you know he was fine okay well was fine. after all that you guys came back here we had to leave inordinately early to get to the game because of the situation with the president and security I think that's the earliest I've ever gotten to a football game and uh, it's a good thing we did people are having trouble getting in later and the leak roof and the roof leaked I didn't know that you know about that no the, there was like a, uh, a leak in the roof before the game at the 20 or 25 yard line. I didn't know that. And they're $1.5 billion stadium. Mm, that's not supposed to be. So that. here we are. It's 438 as I speak. And uh, you're heading back to the coaches' convention. I am heading back to the coaches' convention. And my grand plan that I made about an hour ago was we'd knock this podcast out. I would go back into my room. I would pack. I would get a workout in. I would get my energy back up. And then I'd be ready to ride with Andy Staples and go back to the coach's convention. But I don't know if that workout's going to happen because I'm really exhausted. I mean, what sane person would choose to use that the precious remaining time to work out rather than sleep? Because I think I can trick myself into getting, like, the energy boost. Dude, <laughs> I'm 41, so you're 48. Like right yeah. uh, God bless you, but I don't, I don't know. You might want to go take a cat nap because, as I sit here across from you right now, I mean, Andy's driving, right? He is. Okay, good. He'll. I knowing Andy, he'll be high on caffeine and carbs, r- carbs, and and rip roaring, ready to go. Speaking of the coaches' convention, rip roaring, rip roaring, and ready to go. Mean, what does that mean? He's going to be doing in the car. That's an expression. You ever heard that expression? No, I don't. Rip think so. roaring, ready to go. Never heard it. If I had a laptop, I'd Google it. So I'm like, oh. How wait? If you don't have a laptop, how did you write your story from the game? Uh, I borrowed uh, my editor's dad's laptop. It was an adventure because we kept on. I Andy, to his credit, Googled what happens. Um, like for some reason, the the screen kept on going upside down. And if you do Control Alt Up on Windows, it'll fix it. Yeah, it was pretty. It was a pretty rough stretch. We've all been there. We've all had yeah. tech issues during that. I remember yeah. being at a Missouri football game where my mouse just stopped working. Chad Moore, the SID, had a spare one, um, helped me out, and then I went to a twenty-four hour Walmart after the game to get one for myself. That was a hell of a tangent. I just real quick, I, I want to get into. I just want to mention, since you are going to the coaches' convention, that there's been a little bit of news out of there this week. 
So the coaches convention started what Saturday? Uh, really started started Sunday Sunday. People so Saturday night. Chris Vanini from the All American, I think, was the first one there among the media members, or at least was the first one to notice that on the agenda, Art Bryles was scheduled to give a speech, and uh, he talked to Todd Berry, the former Louisiana Monroe coach, who's now the executive director. Why are you having Art Bryles, scandal-ridden coach, speak to the coaches' convention? And he seemed to be pretty, I would say, naively convinced that Art Bryles had a lot of good knowledge to share with the coaching profession on how to deal with adversity. Well, I'll say this part. I mean, Art Bryles does have a lot of experience dealing with adversity, his own personal story, right? Mm -hmm. You know, his parents died when he was in college. So that part, I, I don't... You know that I, I could see the 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 part that I think. Quite honestly, I, I think it was I forgot how the session was worded. Stay strong and something. It was it was called staying strong slash game management. Yeah. Was he gonna just break into okay when we're at third and six on the thirty? Yeah, I think you know because and also. Bryles, you know, Bryles and his disciples were in the news over the weekend because Houston hired his son and also his old O-line coach from Baylor. So, you know, this is one of those subjects where I don't think it, it, it's going, it, it just is going to fade away. Well, I think what it shows you, and by the way, it, only after Chris's story went up and people started reacting to it, Brenda Tracy, you know, who's become probably the most notable um, activist who goes around speaking and actually spoke at the coaches convention last year was beside herself. Only after that did they cancel it. And here was the statement Todd Berry released Monday morning. The AFCA has always taken great pride in making sure we provide the best educational experiences for our coaches. We always appreciate our coaches and their willingness to share their experiences on and off the field to help educate the rest of our membership in their pursuit of professional growth. Art Bryles was scheduled to speak as 2018 AFCA convention, however, due to concerns, we have decided to cancel his session. I'm saddened that our coaches have lost an opportunity. What concerns would those be? Brenda Tracy's concern. Like I'm, he's respond. He's talking about social media, right? He just seems genuinely indignant that that there was any outrage and that they have to cancel this thing. Now, as if that wasn't strange enough. Who's the outgoing president of the AFCA this year? Richard Rodriguez. <laughs> Rich Rodriguez. So Rich Rodriguez, as is his duty of the AFCA president, had to give a speech Monday, six days after he got fired in his own scandal. Uh, that one, I read the statement. Chris published it. It wasn't anything particularly controversial in there, though he does, again, refer to it as false allegations. Look, I mean, it is, it is uh, innocent until proven guilty. I mean, they did an investigation for three months. They couldn't fire him with cause. Yeah, it's true. They didn't so, fire him with I cause. Mean, I do think in this case, this is a little different. I'm not saying that, you know, nothing happened. But there's a lot of allegations in there. And, you know, we'll see if it goes anywhere. Well, back to the Art Biles part. I think between the timing, the juxtaposition of Houston hiring his son and then the coaches convention playing to have him speak tells me that at least in the coaching world, all has been forgiven. Like these guys have been, they're 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 good to go. Like nobody's be, nobody's shunning them the way that you would think people on the outside are. You know, like Art Bryles is not getting another college head coaching job. 
Probably because not. no president or AD Probably is going to sign off on it. You know, I I seen a couple of our colleagues in the media say that he'll never coach again. It wouldn't shock me if he did. I, it would shock me if he did because of stuff like this is going. This is like the third different I'm time. Tell you why? Like a CFL team hired him, remember, and then yeah, they no. canceled it. Like every time, every time this happens, there's going to be protests. You, I'm going to give you a scenario where I can see our brows coaching again. If Turner Gill ever leaves Liberty, wouldn't shock me if Ian McCaw would. I mean, they they hired Ian McCaw at Liberty. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they? I mean, they they didn't care. They put out some some you know ridiculous statement when they hired that that AD from Baylor. You don't think they would hire Art Bryles? No, I don't think so. Or I'm just saying, even if somebody tried, even if somebody had the press release ready, it, w- it would be a Tennessee Greg Schiano situation to an extreme. It would be. You know, you would have people protesting. You would have you know female what? students no, would here's be disgusted. Why you're, here's where you're different, and I'm not saying you're. I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong, but here's why it's different. If if Greg Schiano had a record at Bay, at Rutgers, where what Art Bryles had at the end of Baylor, yeah, they would have. They would have taken him. There yeah. was no. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, that's true. I just I I think it's too it's too. Um, it's too controversial. His background now is, is he's too tainted. But that's when you're talking about campus leaders, administrators, students in the kind of bubble that is the coaching fraternity. It seems like people are just ready to give them a pass. Maybe so. Yeah. Anything else we should address before we put a wrap, put a bow on the 2017 no. football season? No, I'm I'm rip roaring and ready to uh, ready to go pack. All right, well, it has been a fun season, guys, and uh, you know, hard to believe that there was a time not long before the season that we didn't know if the audible was going to continue. That's right. Thank you for your support. It is much appreciated. Yes, well, thank you, thank you to Lisa. Thank you to Trader Joe's, who's been our sponsor all season. We will continue to do these podcasts in the off season. We're not going anywhere, and the off season is also a time when we load up on your emails so send them to the audible pod at gmail.com and we'll see you next time if you enjoy the audible please subscribe on apple podcasts google play stitcher or wherever you get podcasts if you enjoy college football podcasts also subscribe to the all-american podcast with nicole auerbach max olson and Chantel jennings our producer is nick fink our intro song is dangerous by kevin and the octaves Download their music on iTunes and Spotify. Follow Bruce on Twitter at Bruce Feldman CFB. Follow me, Stu, at SL Mandel. And subscribe to The All-American if you haven't done so already at theathletic.com slash all-american. So come on, get up.